Welcome to BrainStuff, a production of iHeartRadio. Hey, BrainStuff, Lauren Vogelbaum here. This episode is part of the mini-series we're doing on some health and safety topics surrounding the novel type of coronavirus that was identified in 2019, which causes what's therefore being called COVID-19. Because everything is a little less scary when you understand it better. So, for today, we're talking about a phrase that's new to most of us, but not to the world of public health, social distancing. But what exactly does social distancing mean, and how do we put it into practice? Simply put, social distancing is a community strategy used by public health officials to put space between individuals in an attempt to limit the spread of any highly contagious infectious disease like COVID-19 or Ebola or SARS. The U.S. Centers for Disease Control, or CDC, defines social distancing as remaining out of congregate settings, avoiding mass gatherings, and maintaining distance approximately six feet or two meters from others when possible. Many viruses, including coronavirus, spread primarily through droplets that can remain in the air for a couple hours after someone sneezes or coughs, though over time, the viruses in those droplets become less and less likely to infect you, as we discussed in yesterday's episode. However, the potential for air and surfaces harboring infectious viruses is why creating space between individuals is critical. Community mitigation strategies are especially important before a vaccine or drug is widely available to prevent diseases from spreading, and we don't have any such fix for COVID-19 yet. Social distancing is typically used in communities where an outbreak of a virus, like COVID-19, has not yet occurred because it's difficult to stop once it's started. Think of it like when firefighters clear large swaths of brush to create a fire break that will stop wildfires from spreading out of control. If there's no fuel for the fire to burn, it'll go out. If there's no one for the virus to infect, the infection won't spread. You may have heard that the goal of social distancing is to flatten the curve. The curve in question here is a graph of how many people are likely to get sick and the period of time over which they're likely to fall ill. Because, look, a COVID-19 is a new illness. None of us has an immunity to it, meaning that our immune systems are all unfamiliar with it, so they don't perceive it as a threat right away. So our immune system doesn't know to start destroying it as soon as it enters our bodies. So the virus has a chance to replicate. And by the time our immune systems know something's wrong, they have to launch a full-scale attack, which is what creates fever and weariness and other symptoms of being sick. The period of time between when you pick up the virus and thus might spread it to other people and when you start to show symptoms of being ill is called the incubation period. And no one knows how long it can last yet with this novel coronavirus. But medical researchers are saying to give it two weeks to be safe. Now, until we develop a fix for COVID-19 to prevent it from spreading, it's safe to say that most to all of us will become infected. A chunk of the population will never have any symptoms. Many will have mild symptoms, and a small portion will get seriously sick, either due to the virus itself, which attacks cells in and reproduces in the lungs, or due to other illnesses that we're more susceptible to when our lungs have been thus damaged, like pneumonia. So, when people talk about flattening the curve, that means slowing down the spread of the disease so that those relatively few people who are going to get seriously ill don't get seriously ill all at once. That would be a tall peak in the curve of illnesses over time, and it would be 
bad because it would overwhelm our healthcare system. By avoiding contact with people until your potential incubation period of a couple weeks is over, you're helping to flatten that peak. The same number of people will be infected or sick or seriously sick over time, but you're helping spread those cases out so that the healthcare system will be able to respond to some before the next ones come in. And that's why officials are telling us to stay home when we can. Don't think of it like you're trying to avoid getting infected. I mean, that'd be great. But think of it like you're already infected and don't know it, and you're trying to avoid spreading it. Examples of social distancing include closing or suspending schools and moving to online or distance learning, canceling public events such as conferences, weekly meetings, or places of worship, implementing commute practices for businesses where it's practical, closing childcare centers, suspending or canceling sporting events, concerts, or festivals, and closing down seating at bars and restaurants. Mass transit may also be affected. The important thing to note is that if your children are out of school, it's not time to set up playdates with the neighborhood kids or to visit the local public library or park if they're even open. Contact with people outside your home should be limited. The same goes for adults. It's not time to set up office at the local coffee shop, again, if it's open, or to have people over for a party. When implemented correctly, social distancing can have the desired effect of preventing the spread of a virus. It's been proven in the past, but only when people take it seriously. A study published in the 2007 Proceedings of the National Academy of Sciences found that during the 1918 Spanish influenza pandemic, Cities that put social distancing measures in place earlier had significantly lower death rates than those that did not. Today's episode was written by Patty Rasmussen and produced by Tyler Klang. For more on this and lots of other topics, visit HowStuffWorks.com. BrainStuff is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. (laughs) 